0: In a
1: Hey guys, welcome back to another strange and unexplained episode of Vanholes Holes Podcast, Toku Thursdays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And joining me tonight on this crazy blue cupcake train are two, count them, two of my freaky deaky unexplained fellow fan holes why don't you guys give a weird shout out and kind of make people uncertain whether or not you're actually here tonight or whether you're kind of in another realm
2: hey this is justin and i'm not sure if i'm really doing this podcast or if i'm a butterfly dreaming of doing this podcast
0: (laughs) hey guys this is tony and seriously is there a girl behind me on a swing like just swinging out of thin air like on a swing she looks like she's 10 and she's creepy she, someone please help me
1: if there is she's definitely laughing at you for sure.
0: yeah. yes always laughing
1: yeah so this is this is part of our month-long project here i know that maybe you know i i guess i'll be real for a minute and and realize that you know sometimes even though we'd love it if listeners would listen to all the various spin-off shows and and proper shows and everything. I do know that there are listeners out there who, who definitely focus on certain shows. So in case you're not in the know, we are doing a month-long theme, which we have titled Blue Cupcakes Month on fan holes. And if you kind of don't know what Blue Cupcakes is, there is a Early episode of the Fannels proper podcast. I think it's like episode 14 where we go into blue cupcakes and what that is and what that means, but at a very simple, small, easy to understand level, blue cupcakes was just something that I came up with to explain the weird and unexplained, the kind of freaky deaky kind of weirdness of things, whether it be, you know, Morrison comic books or kind of spooky weird anime, like, Serial Experiments Lane, just stuff that I, I looked at and went, what the fuck? You know, and that kind of thing. You know, the T-Sphere in Char's Counter-Attack. You know, anything that kind of leaves you scratching your head is what accounts for blue cupcakes, basically. Like, something kind of freaky and, and strange. And I think the two episodes we're about to discuss tonight on Toku Thursdays... Both come from the Ultra series of shows, and I was desperate to have another pair of human eyes take a look <laughs> at these because these are, these are both some of the strangest and, and kind of wackiest shows and also kind of head trippy shows that I think I have seen in a long time. And because of that, they made obviously a, a strong impression on me that I, I can still recall them and, and they, they stood out to me, you know, to, to share with my fellow fan holes. But, basically, the the game plan here is on the front end of the show, we're going to be talking about the first Ultra series that ever existed, and it's a series called Ultra Q. And this is long before there was an Ultraman character, but this is kind of the precursor to Ultraman, this series called Ultra Q. And the episodes aired in 1966, and they were all shot in black and white. And... Then on the rear half of the episode, the back end of the episode, we're going to be talking about another Ultraman Max episode. We did previously discuss Ultraman Max, Tony and myself, with John Vanover. We did discuss an Ultraman Max episode on our Christmas episode. But in this case, this is not going to be a Christmas episode, but it is also a return to discussing Ultraman Max, which also has a similar theme and, and this kind of jumps all the way to 2005. So we're kind we're kind of going across the gambit of time and everything and I, I think what we'll do is I'll start with giving kind of a brief synopsis uh, the best I can. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well I, you know I, I, I did my best so'll so we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll do I'll do a synopsis of Ultra Q episode 6, which is titled Grow Up Little Turtle. And, of course, the air date for this was February 6th, 1966. A young boy named Taro develops a curious preoccupation with his pet turtle named Gameron. In your normal, average Japanese school setting, Taro continually takes the measurements of Gameron in the hopes that this will encourage him to grow even bigger. He hopes one day Gameron will grow to 99 centimeters and take him to the quote-unquote Dragon's Palace. After Taro gets in trouble with his teacher for bringing his turtle to school and is laughed at by his fellow classmates, he observes two bank robbers fleeing from the authorities. Taro tries to tell his teacher about the shootout, but he is ignored for being the boy who cried wolf too many times. When Gameron goes missing. Taro winds up in the company of two bumbling gangsters while searching for his missing turtle, who they have abducted. Taro chases after the thieves and also gets taken away. There's a brief exchange between the usual cast members of Ultra Q Jun, Ipe, and Yuriko, as they are covering the story of the bank robbery currently in progress. The school staff and investigators aren't completely convinced, but they inform Taro's mother that they believe he may have been kidnapped by the same robbers. The father is certain Taro wouldn't have abandoned the food and supplies for his pet turtle unless Taro himself was indeed abducted. At a checkpoint, The machine gun goes off, and Benny Hill Hijinks continues with the robbers (laughs) in flight, with the turtle's jaw locked onto their person, and Taro and the authorities in hot pursuit into some fairground. The gangsters and Taro lose the cops and take refuge in a sewer. After some extravagant, fanciful dreams, Taro awakes and is delighted to find they are coming true. His turtle has suddenly grown to 99 centimeters in length. The sight of the giant turtle, however, frightens the gangsters into the welcoming arms of the police. Assuming that Taro had been kidnapped by the two thieves, the authorities return to collect the boy who is nowhere to be found as he follows Gameron who can walk through walls all of a sudden. Instead, he rides on the back of his turtle over all sorts of Japanese landmarks. The turtle even has a speedometer! Eventually, <laughs> they deep dive to the Undersea Dragon Palace as depicted in his crayon drawings. There, he meets a little girl on a swing, the princess of the Dragon Palace, named Otohime. All sorts of weirdness proceeds. Otohime's on the swing and drops Taro into some fog. Then Taro's on the swing and it disappears while Otohime licks an ice drink concoction generated I Dream of Genie style. Taro decides his turtle food is an atomic bomb and threatens to blow up Otohime's palace as she laughs and claps voraciously. When he slams the canister down, it's as if an acme explosion from Warner Brothers has gone off and Taro's face is blackened with soot. Hair is a Dragon Ball Z mess and his clothes are all tattered. Otohime eludes Taro while riding on a rocket and he gives chase on Gameron. Otohime then proceeds to sick her pet dragon, named Kai Dragon, on Taro. Kai Dragon blasts Gameron, and Taro appears to be drowning. As he pleads for help, Otohime (laughs) laughs, as Taro promises he will never lie again. When Taro wishes to return home, Otohime genies up a mysterious treasure box, and she instructs him to only open the box when he is having trouble and bids him farewell. Immediately, he is transported back to his family. Taro apologizes to his mother and father and promises never to lie again. The adults all laugh, of course, and do not believe his story of being transported to the Dragon Palace. Deciding that this is his quote-unquote darkest hour, Taro opens up the treasure box and becomes an old man, only it's the child actor in old man makeup, which is also kind of weird. It ends with Taro then changed back to normal age and the adults laughing him off. Later, his entire class has their own turtles as Otohime giggles gleefully in the background audience. And that is, in a quick and easy, hopefully, synopsis, the weird craziness that I tried to expose my fellow fanholes to. Now, I've got some notes and and some some definite things to get off my chest, but I kind of want to open it up to Justin and Tony and kind of have them just go into maybe first impressions or I, I don't know if Justin did any other prep where he was trying to watch Ultra Q in anticipation of this. Because again, kind of like the episodes of Ultra Max that I focused on, I, I would say this is not a traditional standard episode of Ultra Q. So I'm just kind of curious what you guys think.
2: Right. Well, I had seen the first maybe three episodes of Ultra Q, like when it became part of the Shout Factory, you know, online website. So I had watched those, so I'm not unfamiliar with the show. But, like, when I was watching this episode, like, the first, I don't know, 10 or 11 minutes, I thought, well, what's the problem? Like, this doesn't really seem all that weird, you know? It's like a kid who, like, is, you know, a little obsessed with his turtle, and then he gets kidnapped by gangsters. Like, this seems kind of like, you know, kind of like standard kind of like, you know, really lighthearted kind of fair. And then when the turtle, like, starts to face, face through the wall... And then, like, what I when I really like set up and was like, okay, was when he like lifted up the turtle shell and there was like instrumentations. I was like, oh, <laughs> hey, what? I was like, the the like, the turtle is like a, a robot or a cyborg somehow. But wait, I I don't I don't understand that. And like, I was just like, from there, it just kept getting like more bizarre and bizarre. And I was like, I was trying to take notes, and all I could think of was like, you know, like, hmm me grimlock have questions (laughs) like like, where did he get this idea of going to the dragon's palace because like that just kind of like comes out of thin air i was like okay well maybe they're gonna explain this no i guess it was just something like he thought up in his like deranged like little like seven-year-old head and i was like well how when they go underwater like why didn't he drown and (laughs) why why did the box make him old The, the girl said this will help you when you get in trouble i was like how does making him like an like kind of an old man like how does that help him and then it just ends and i like i was like I, I, I have so many questions i just don't understand it and then i was like i feel derek's pain now because i need to talk about this to other people too
1: <laughs> yeah because when i when i first saw this i was i was like what the fuck did i just watch <laughs> and then and then after that i was like dude i need other people to experience this what the fuck with me, because I can't be the only one who's just like... And it, made, it makes me feel good that you're like, Wait, he's got a fucking speedometer now on the fucking turtle? <laughs> like, what is this? Like, this is crazy! Like, so I was I was definitely, like, freaking out when I watched this. Basically, like, all the points you sort of hit home and everything. And then, Tony, why don't, why don't you tell us what you told us a little earlier about kicking off your after-work festivities before you saw the episode and stuff.
0: I made a bad choice. I <laughs> I, I, uh, I I got off work and um, you know, as we call we call it homework here on the show. So uh, I, I was going to do my homework and you know watch me some Ultraman. And even though I know it was Blue Cupcakes, I was like, "This will be fine. It can't be that weird. This is a kid show, you know." I didn't know what Ultra Q was. I, if, if this is this is the only episode I've ever seen, so I still don't know what the fuck Ultra Q is. I decided to have some adult beverages as I was uh, relaxing and that didn't help made things worse because I was really beginning to question if like I had drank too much. Cause I was like, Oh, it's a boy and his turtle. That's, that's a big turtle. That is a guy in a turtle suit. And they just <laughs> walked through a wall. Okay. All right. I'm staying with this. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm on board. They're flying. Okay. Gamera on, gamera. Okay, okay, let's. let's, let's I'm, I'm still here. I'm still here. Let me, let me get another drink. And okay, let me watch this. And speedometers, child actresses laughing on a swing. And, and, and <laughs> I don't know what's real anymore. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And the thing that is just like mind blowing to me is I still don't know what the fucking story is. Because out of nowhere, like the girl is like, you know, this, you know, like, like, don't lie, and I'm like, the, the kid wasn't lying. He just wanted a big fucking turtle. How is he a liar? You know, he draws pictures. That last time I checked, that's called imagination. But no, torture the poor fucking kid. You know, like he blows himself up, like he said, wily e. coyote style. You know, I almost paid him to like hold up a sign saying, like, you know, help me, you know, or something. Guys, she's riding around on a rocket. Like, where did she get a fucking rocket from? Did you pull it out of her fucking back pocket? Yeah, okay, I'm on a rocket. And, like, the parents give no shits, you know? He's he's like, you know, he's like, oh, you were kidnapped and everything. They they seem so worried a little bit at the beginning. And then, like, when he's like, shows up and he's okay, they're like, oh, you stupid lying child. We we know you. You'll never stop lying. Liar with your lying lies. ha, 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 And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll teach you. I'll become a geriatric person who's... Still 10, but, you know, I got a
1: beard. <laughs> a lot of the imagery in this is so weird. It's, it's, it's really crazy. Like, just, I, I think, I know Justin's seen, like, at least a couple episodes of the regular Ultra Q, but just to, to sort of help Tony out and maybe give it some context. Please like help. <laughs> Ultra Q, the, the best way I can describe Ultra Q is this was a show that desperately wanted to be the Japanese Twilight Zone. But I think what happened in reality was, and and maybe Justin can follow me on this, but I think it just ended up being the Japanese version of The Adventures of Superman,
2: Hmm.
1: where instead of Superman showing up in the last ten minutes, there was an ultra kaiju that showed up in the last ten minutes basically like that that's that's the simplest way i can kind of equate it to because there are these three main characters that you normally follow and if you remember there's the incident the bank robbery that that starts and then the, the little kid is abducted but then they cut to the school and you see there's two you know sort of leading man or i guess the one leading man type the character's name is june and then there's the kind of more, you know, kind of nebbish man in the group, and his name is Ipe. And then the the spunky female reporter, her name is Yuriko. And so, like, basically, like, I would equate those to, like, George Reeves and, and you know, the, the whole, you know, it's I think of it as, like, Clark, Jimmy, and Lois, you know, but on Ultra Q, basically. The, the only thing that's kind of funny to me that I've never really gotten about the lead character, June, is... Apparently, he's a science fiction novelist who happens to have, an like, whatever he needs for the purpose of the episode. Usually it's, like, he's, he's a pilot and he's got an airplane license and stuff because usually they have to fly all over the place. But, like, mostly, like, Yuriko is the reporter. So if anybody's interested in getting a story, it should be her. But sometimes it's, like... June and Ipe, like, they just magically, like, yeah, we're here, too, to ask questions and shit. And you feel like you're watching, like, Supernatural because it's like, wait, they just they just answer this guy's questions, like, and he's not really technically a reporter. It's like, who are you? Yeah, I'm a science fiction writer. I just came to see what's going on with this case with monsters and stuff. And everybody's like, oh, okay, you're that guy. Like, let's tell you everything, you know? So, like, there there, there is still some, to, to me, some stuff that I don't, quite get about Ultra Q, other than, you know, it's part of the
0: standard format. And they come off to me kind of like The Outer Limits, like an anthology series, yeah. kind of? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean,
1: you know, Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, usually there are other stories that revolve around those characters, but ultimately I think... I think the the showrunners probably really wanted it to be like Twilight Zone or The Outer Limits, but what it ended up becoming was a bit more formulaic, a bit more serialized, where it was more like, okay, you're going to follow these three characters, and they'll go around to different places, and then they'll run into different kaiju and different monsters and stuff, whereas I I think they probably wanted it to be a little more cerebral. And I think... As, as, as funny as it sounds, I think this episode is one of the more cerebral episodes.
0: <laughs> you know it's, what I mean? As, as, yeah. As kind of
1: weird as it is, you know, like because there's all this kind of strange stuff going on. I mean, I, I I would think like I I don't know. There's just there's so much stuff to talk about. But but I think like the 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 first instance that you get that this like even before you see the giant turtle, I think one of the first instances that I got that this was going to be something weird to me was like even in the the robbery. Like, you see these guys that leave a bank, and they're running away with money, and then they start a shootout with the police. But then there are these random spliced photos of Taro, like, either, like, biting his teeth or, like, cheering or whatever. And it's, like, these randomly cut photos of him, like, doing things. And it's, like, I guess it's supposed to be this frenetic frantic interpretation of a kid's emotions during something like that but it just felt weird like it was like what is this crap like it's nothing i was ever used to you know it it doesn't seem like a familiar tool in storytelling really you know and then and then the other thing that blew my mind was you know these guys these bank robbers have these machine guns that they're shooting at the cops with and what they basically do is they abduct Taro and, I guess, you know, his gamer on the turtle is, like, biting one of their sleeves or arms or something like that. And that's why Taro is chasing after them. And then, just to shut him up, they also take him and, and like, basically hide out on the back of this truck. And then, when they come to a checkpoint, like, Taro... Mm-hmm. See, I, I feel like Taro is supposed to be, like, this delinquent kid in a way. Like, he only cares about this turtle. And he's very diligent when it comes to the turtle, the, the the welfare and the care of it. But it's because he he made this arrangement with the turtle. He's like, see all these crayon drawings I made? Like, when you get big and strong, you're going to take me to that magical land that I drew with crayons. And, like, he... In general is not a good student, he's not studious, he's not coming to school to learn, he's coming to school to feed his fucking turtle. You know, so it's like, I, I think that's supposed to be what they're getting at, like, that he he's this kid who, you know, he's Chicken Little that cries when the sky's falling, even though it's really not. He, he cried wolf too many times. You know, like, the teacher doesn't seem to believe anything he says because he's probably said a bunch of crazy stuff before that wasn't true. You know, and, 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 then, and then there's that weird moment where he's almost idolizing these robbers because he's like oh look at that gun that's really cool can i hold it and they're like (laughs) no man you bother me kid you can't hold this gun he's like can i hold it can i hold it and the next thing you know he's holding a machine gun he's going this is cool rat-a-tat-a-tat-a-tat and making the noise but not firing the gun and and the thugs are like scared that he's going to shoot them any minute you know, because now he's got the gun, and it's a loaded machine gun, and then what's funny is it jams, and then I'm sure a bunch of gun safety folks would be having a coronary, because then he takes the machine gun, sticks it in his face, (laughs) like, the the, the front of the barrel in his face, and starts pressing the trigger going, weird, it's not shooting, you know, and the the, the thugs, the, the... the robbers are like
0: oh my god like this
1: is gonna go off any minute this is so bad and and then all of a sudden the gun does go off too and it's just like and then that's when all the crazy i mean it gets more and more crazy like they they have like the benny hill hijinks where they're chasing after each other and you know what i noticed for the first time that i haven't noticed because this is probably like maybe the third or fourth time i've seen this is the fairgrounds i think it's like japanese disneyland because yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but like the teacups that they run through during the chase, like the teacups have like goofy and like I yeah, think I Pinocchio that. and stuff like that on them. So I was like, oh that must be like Japanese Disneyland or something. So
0: What would it be like crazy if it was one of those like I watch like a lot of videos on YouTube and one of the one of the topics is like of the video series I watched, one of them was abandoned, you know, haunted places up like wouldn't it be kind of cool if that was like an abandoned park now? <laughs> you know, back in the 60s it was big, but now it's like you know, haunted and shit. But like, yeah, the imagery is weird. It's just so weird. Like, like Justin, and you were talking about the, the turtle maybe being a robot, and and obviously at one point it's it's a it's a guy in a rubber suit and not a very large man. Like, you know, maybe kind of a midget. I I mean, I don't know. It's it's so weird. And the little girl. I don't know who the actress is, but she was great at being creepy. She was fucking creepy.
1: You know what's weird is, I, I don't know that they creep me out so much, but, like, I feel like there's that
0: natural... I was, I was drunk.
1: <laughs> well, there, there's that natural uneasiness with child actors, but it's like they use that to their advantage because any, any natural awkwardness... That was caught on camera, just accentuated the weirdness of the piece and yeah. didn't ruin it. You know what I mean? So they like, could use used, all like, of ice that. Cream cone, it's
0: like, yeah, yeah.
1: Or, or like how how the laughter that she breaks into seems almost random. It's like it's not like it was like a trained child actor or anything. It's like just one minute she'd be licking the ice cream cone thing, and the next minute she'd be like laughing hysterically, and it's like there there was no beat you know there there was no character beat where it transitioned from I like my ice cream now I think something's funny it was just no beat at all it was just kind of like okay ice cream laugh you know oh I I got my cue I I hit my marks you know and uh, and like that kind of awkwardness just sort of helped with the the uneasiness you feel this whole time and and I know what blew my mind is I'm thinking like Jesus like like, this is 1966, and, like, he's talking about my turtle food is an atomic bomb, and I'm going to blow up the Dragon Palace. Like, right? yeah. I, I, I was, like, wondering, like, it's weird how, like, because I know, like, certain episodes of, like, Ultra 7 ended up being banned because of suggestions like that, I guess. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, certain things like that. So I'm kind of shocked that, like, I was like, w- w- was it not did it was it just viewed as like comical because of the end result or d- did it not register what he was saying or i, I don't know but it was just that that kind of threw me for a loop too where that that was another sort of what the fuck am i watching type thing you know where he's like i'm gonna atomic bomb your ass and then the little girl just kind of laughs and claps and stuff it's like oh goody like yay you know and i was like well, wait a minute you know
2: I do want to ask you one thing, and I, you may you may or you may know or not, but like when when the little girl was riding the dragon, I was like that that looks like the Manda puppet or from like it it is it is the Manda okay. puppet. Okay, I was like, was it yeah. Manda, and I kind of like yeah. scooted it back a little bit. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that is
1: a lot a, a lot of the monsters in Ultra Q were repurposed suits from a lot of the Toho movies. So like that that was the Manda suit from atragon and i think like they they probably used like a godzilla suit and and other i'm trying to think of like other kaiju but of course godzilla is the only one that's really coming to mind but but i think like maybe baragon and like other other kind of you know suits that were freely available to them and stuff like that and they you know they like much like you know the Godzilla suit that ended up being like I think Jiris and Ultraman Nine, you know, like right. I, I think there were like similar instances where they just they repurposed certain, you know, monster suits and everything.
0: Yeah, Gameron could have actually been like a prototype Gamora suit that they just like, you know did nothing with and they're like, we'll, we'll just put it on here. <laughs> you know? I don't know, but you know I think as far as like tie ins and stuff like
1: that 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 might be interesting for people to know about, like Tony just for you the the main I mean I, I know you only briefly saw these characters but like sort of the main trio of characters basically all go on to be you know kind of like the how the the suits are repurposed like the 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 talent basically is repurposed. Like a lot of these (laughs) actors went on to appear in a bunch of Toho movies and a lot of them made big splashes in future Ultraman shows and everything. So I I don't know, but basically you may or may not remember this, but when we talked about Ultraman Nexus, there was the sort of mysterious, you know, like head of the, the organization and everything named Togo. And he was like the, the older guy that kind of, you know, abducted the lead character and stuff like that that that's the same actor kenji sahara who plays june like basically the the, who i'm kind of referring to as the as the clark kent of the show you know even though he's had tons and tons of other roles like that's something that if somebody was listening to this show and and specifically yourself since you and i both talked about ultraman nexus you know like that's a specific tie-in in that arena the actress who plays yuriko is hiroko sakurai and like she's like basically miss ultraman i mean she she it it, it, it's very I, i feel like it's very apropos to describe her as lois lane in the adventures of superman because i feel like ultra q is like comparable to the film serials of Superman where Noel Noel Neal was Lois Lane. And then from like the second season on in adventures of Superman, Noel Neal was Lois Lane. And then in tons of other Superman projects, she was either a cameo or heavily featured in like Superman returns or whatever it is. And I, I feel like this actress is the same way because she not only played Yuriko in ultra Q, but she played the lead female Akiko Fuji in the original Ultraman and then I know you're trying to get into this show Tony but there's a character named Professor Yoshinaga in Ultraman Max she's kind of like the one of the go-to people for like you know exposition or technical know-how or what have you like she's a you know respected scientist type thing and that is also played by the same actress and in fact oh. In, in episode 29 of Ultraman Max, there's a specific... Like, a lot of those... It's not quite as obvious as, say, like, Gokaiger, but there are a lot of tribute episodes in Ultraman Max to past series. And episode 29 of Ultraman Max is, like, an obvious Ultra Q tribute. Like, it actually deals with, like, the actors... The, uh, how should I explain this? It, it'd be like if William Shatner... Was on a Star Trek show, and then he remembered doing something as an actor, and then when you went to the flashback, it was Chris Pine doing the flashback
0: sequences,
1: if that makes any sense. I
0: think I got you, yeah. Okay. You know,
1: yeah. so like that that's kind of that's kind of what that tribute episode was like. And so in, in that sense, like they actually had a cast reunion among those three actors. So it was kind of like they reunited yeah, okay. the, so it, the, the Clark, the Jimmy and the, the Lois Lane of,
0: of Ultra and Q. And they would remember like flashbacks, but it was like newer actors and stuff, right? Right, right. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. yeah. So I, I was going to ask you, Derek, since you, you and Justin have explained this a little bit better to me as far as what Ultra Q is. And I think this, you know, bears a good question. How the fuck did this turn into Ultraman?
1: <laughs> well, I think I think basically like the the whole idea was that they were doing the Monster of the Week show, and like a lot of the monsters and kaiju and this ended up being used in later series and stuff like that. But I mean, as far as like how how Ultraman was conceived, I guess I mean. I, you know, I, I got to be honest, I don't know how it exactly transitioned from them wanting to make a Twilight Zone show to them making a semi-superhero like superhero fights <laughs> Kaiju show. You know, I, I, I think I, I would imagine, much like they talk about in, in the Tribute episode, I, I would imagine it would reflect the will of the TV networks and the sponsors, you know, because I, I think I think in the beginning, like, they were... I mean, you could even tell, if you watch a regular episode of Ultra Q, they even have, like, a narrator trying to do, like, their best Rod Serling, where it's like, you have entered a world, and things are freaky-deaky, and this is how stuff goes in this world, and aren't we clever? And now we're going to pan up, and it's going to be weird, like the Twilight Zone. But... Ultimately, the, the more they got into the show, it was more like, well, Larry, the kids, you know, it was like the Japanese Larrys or whatever, well, but they're like, they're like, they want the kaiju, you know, and, and like, I, I think that's probably how it happened, even though I'm, I'm sort of talking out of my ass because I don't know too much about how that transitioned, you know, from from one show to the other. But, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is kind of interesting because I think I, I, I never really knew about Ultra Q other than things I would read in magazines and on the internet, and then when Shot Factory finally released it, I was very curious. You know, like I had a thirst to sort of see the origins, like you're saying, of oh, this is the show that was the precursor to Ultraman. You know, like and 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 when I watched it, it's 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 kind of a mixed bag for me. I mean, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to down cry it or or you know downplay it just because it's a, a black and white TV show or anything. Like I have no hangups about that. I mean, I even think the aspects of it that are twilight zone, like are kind of interesting, but I, I do think the studios and the TV stations pushing the formula of kaiju from week to week, you know, th- there is the sense that it, it it can be very easy. You know, it's n- it's not a show that's meant to be watched like marathon style. You know, because cause you yeah. watch one show after the other and, and, and you can easily get kind of, you can find yourself with a sense of malaise or boredom because you feel like, oh, well, I've seen this formula like two or three times before, yeah. you know, and basically it follows the show mostly. I think the reason why this episode stood out is because it's so weird and <laughs> so against formula, like it, it probably... Adheres closest to the showrunner's original mandate and narrative of making it like a a, a weird Twilight Zone episode, but but it just kind of goes beyond the pale in terms of weirdness.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely you know like I said weird. I mean, obviously blue cupcakes and everything, but I have to admit, you know, even in my you know altered state, it was it was enjoyable, and I don't know why. I, I guess because. In our day and age, we're we're used to formula. We're used to like stuff that, like you know, if you watch Power Rangers or even Sentai now, you know they they follow a certain thing. You know, it's like, hey, we're we're the Sentai guys. We're gonna you know turn into our suits, and at the end, we're gonna jump into a giant robot and kick this guy's ass. This, I swear to God, if you've never seen this episode before, and you can sit there and honestly tell me you know what's gonna happen next, you're a goddamn liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure.
2: Mm -hmm. I'd only seen I think the first three episodes of Ultra Q kind of like you I was curious about it but then after watching three episodes I kind of like moved on to something else you know I I, sometimes I get distracted easily but now I'm like I'm kind of curious to go back and see some of these episodes because I know that some of the monsters that show up in Ultraman proper like they got their start in Ultra Q so I kind of like I kind of like want to see the origins of that and then like just just to like and back you up, I totally agree that these kind of shows don't really lend themselves to, like, binge-watching. I remember buying those first, like, DVD releases of the original Ultraman series, and I was really excited to, like, sit down and watch it, and then after about, like, five or six episodes in a row, like, I just had to, like, stop. I was, like, I don't know, I, it wasn't that I was, like, bored, I was just, like, desensitized, and, you know, like, these, you know, sometimes these shows are, like, kind of, like, do so many, like, wacky things and you, you have to, like, suspend disbelief. I was just like, you probably could have talked me into doing anything at that point. Like, you know, like, just, like, drive your car off a cliff and this monster will catch you and then when your laser beams will come out of your head. I was like, I have to, like, I have to go back to reality for a while because, like, this is kind of, this is kind of, like, getting to my 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 brain. Or, like, or as uh, Jar Jar would say in, like, the Clone Wars uh, series, like, this is messing with my head thoughts
0: it's <laughs> messing with my
1: thoughts it's weird <laughs> all right yeah so i I definitely wanted my fellow fan holes to experience the the blue cupcakeness the weirdness for themselves if anybody listening would want to expose themselves to the same what-the-fuck-freaky-deaky-blue-cupcake-weirdness. This is available, as we've mentioned a couple times, on the Shout Factory website, so you can check it out there if you don't want to pluck down the cash to look at the entire UltraCube box set and you just want to check out the episode. But I think what we'll do now is we'll go ahead and cut to a commercial break, and then when we come back... We're going to be talking about the Ultraman Max episode. It's episode 22, titled Butterfly Dream. So, you know, hopefully you're still you listening to the podcast and not a butterfly. And you can come back and listen. Stay tuned. This is Tokyo,
2: once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world.
0: Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, kaiju? Monsters like Godzilla? Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at 2TrueFreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city smashing reality.
2: All
1: right, we are back, and the tripping of balls will continue with. Ultraman Max, episode 22. This is titled Butterfly Dream. The original air date was November 26th, the year 2005. So, to put it in context, this is actually the series that aired after Ultraman Nexus. So, it's a fairly recent series. We have talked about Ultraman Max previously before. And we'll just go into the synopsis for this 22nd episode. A writer falls asleep while working. Meanwhile, at Base Titan, Kaido is also sleeping. When they both awake, they notice the environments of one another. The writer appears to be seeing Base Titan, and Kaido appears to be seeing the writer's apartment home. Picking up a signal on the monster scanner, Kaido goes to investigate, coming to the source He sees a woman working in clay building monsters then the writer wakes up he apparently has been dreaming of himself as kaito he has been having such dreams for days always with the same strange woman appearing in them he is the writer for ultraman max the television series but the executives cannot see any characteristic liveliness in the Kaito of his dreams. They simply don't care if the script comes from his dreams, just that it meets the deadline. When the writer gets back to work, he begins dreaming again as Kaito approaches the strange clay-making woman. He tells her a monster was detected there. She tells him the monster is inside her head as she is working on designing a new monster for the show. She then asks the writer, as Kaito, to help her design the monster, as she believes he has much experience as a slayer of monsters. They decide to call the monster Madeus, coming from the Latin term Deus Ex Machina, God from the Machine. They imagine a formless monster which feeds on dreams, growing larger to destroy the world. Medeus takes form. The writer meets the mysterious kaiju lady at a surreal bar, and she tells him of the poem Dream of a Butterfly. The poet, Zuhuangzi, dreamed he was a butterfly, but was the butterfly him, or was he the butterfly? When the writer dreams, he sees the monster maker again bringing Medeus to life. She tells him that in a dream, he will become a monster and destroy the real world. Kaito, in the series Ultraman Max, has also been dreaming lately about the screenwriter and tells Mizuki that in his dreams, he was the television show writer. She compares it to Dream of a Butterfly. Mizuki then transforms into the Spooky Dooky Kaiju Lady, and Kaito wakes up in the room of the screenwriter. He runs out and into the base. The Dash members are all still as statues, and Ellie laughs hysterically, then becoming the kaiju lady. She tells him the world is dreamed up by a screenwriter. The screenwriter wakes up with a start. He washes his face, but sees it's Kaito's face in the mirror. The screenwriter, as Kaito, sees the woman who tells him that Kaido and the screenwriter are interchangeable in dreams, the poet and the butterfly, that the screenwriter will take on the form of Ultraman Max in a dream. Medeos arrives. Kaido awakes as a screenwriter and reads the script for the fictional TV series Ultraman Max. Medeos is written as the destroyer of the world. Dash is defeated as the monster flies around, like a butterfly. Kaido tells the writer to change the script by using the Max Spark to transform and fight. Kaido as the screenwriter then edits the episode, then as the screenwriter, as Max, battles unable to defeat the monster. Medeos easily beats up the Ultra, even firing his own Specium Ray back at him. It opens up and swallows Max. Kaido edits the script so that Max is able to power up and then blow up the monster from the inside. Upon awakening, the writer submits his script, which is accepted, but he then falls asleep and the monster appears in real life. He is wakened quickly, but upon his awakening, the mysterious kaiju creator walks into the room, which elicits an audible gasp from the screenwriter. And quite possibly, the audience as well. (laughs) So that's the the freaky deaky, weird, blue cup geeky, what the fuck is going on? Dream within a dream. Am I the plant? Am I the man? Am I the man who thinks he's a plant? Or am I the plant who thinks he's a man? Episode of Ultraman Max. So... What do you think guys? Like wh- how does how does this compare to uh is it is it a different set of what the fuck from Ultra Q? Is were you just as as weirded out? Have I have I scored a direct hit again or not?
0: This episode should have been called Maxception <laughs> Cause you never know what's really happening and it's Jesus Christ, you never know what's happening. It's it just it is not long, but it seems like a long episode, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that in a bad way. Because it just keeps building on these like like in your synopsis it was not a bad synopsis at all, but they they switch back and forth from Kaito to the screenwriter so much you lose track of who's who like which I, I assume is the the intent you know you're supposed yeah. to be like you know, you know yeah. who is who and, and there's there's these butterflies on sticks and the, the thing about it is, is it's really funny because I'm sure a lot of people, are listening. You're like, oh, that sounds like a horrible, like you know, visual effect. It's like, no, they're obviously supposed to be butterflies on sticks. They're, they're. It's like the the visual is supposed to look like that, and you're just like, the, the hell's going on? And the screenwriter, he's like, you know, you know, sympathetic, and you know, of course, Kaido's sympathetic. He's Ultraman Max, and oh, it makes. Uh, I agree with Justin on the last one. It makes my head brain hurt. It makes my. <laughs> Makes my thoughts go weird. And then he fights a yoga ball and like it bounces on him, and then it turns into a boomerang, and that's like that's, you know, Medeus and and then you get into smart stuff. Like cause Deus ex machina is a very common writer thing. It's, it's like a common TV thing. It's a trope.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's funny because the, you'd think, basically, all Ultramen are deus ex machina. They're the thing that comes in in the last 10 minutes and wraps up the episode, solves all the problems of the plot, right? But in this sense, the the scary monster is this thing that has no form, that basically can destroy the pre-established deus ex machina which are like all the Ultramen, because it is you know basically the deus ex machina of monsters you know like so it's kind yeah. of it's kind of it's creepy you know and, and then and then there's even that weird like i don't know that because it's like a ball and then it's a sort of i don't know it's it's supposed to be sort of like a butterfly when it kind of like flies around in that kind of crescent shape or whatever but then when it's a ball that like totally beats the shit out of max and then it opens up to like eat him up and stuff and this weird like james cameron abyss thing comes out and like sucks his face and pulls him inside and you're like holy fuck like like a lot of that stuff the the imagery in the battle is even kind of weird for uh for an Ultraman episode. Is this
0: is this still a kids show. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And man that that lady who plays the Kaiju lady that sculpts all the clay and everything, does does she or does she not have the creepiest weirdest fucking smile? Yes. Like that weird like up <laughs> upturned snarl with a smile where every time she does it, you're like, Aah. it's like, it's like you, you you get, like, the chills just when she turns around and looks at you, you know, like, so I, I was always, like, freaked out by her, too, and I, I, I mean, I guess that's a testament to the actress, you know, like, she does a good job yeah. at, at making you feel, like, uneasy and, and, and you know, that the whole situation is, is kind of out of the ordinary and stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I I would hate to say this because it this is a compliment and this is not a, an insult in any way. She's not an unattractive woman like, you know, I'm sure in her day-to-day life but there are certain people and again, this is a compliment, not an insult who know how to make themselves look ugly, you know, look like kind of fucked up with their facial expressions. They know how to use their body language to like seem like, you know, fucking creepy, you know, she's she creepier than the little girl on the swing, definitely. I, I think
1: also there's that aspect of acting where, you know, somebody's committed, so uh, maybe a better way to put it is she's not afraid of looking ugly to yeah. serve the purpose of the role, not that she necessarily is ugly, but that she's not, you know, it, it, I remember people saying the same thing about comedy, like, e- even though you're trying to make people laugh, you know, you're not afraid to look like a moron. You know, like that that kind of aspect. So it's not that they it's not like you're saying you are a moron, but you're not afraid to go there. Basically, you you give it your all and stuff. And and she definitely yeah. does give that role her all. Where you know when they when they do a lot of those close ups on her face and she does kind of like the snarly smile twitch of like evil. You're just like, Ew. How about you, Justin? You got some some thoughts on? on max in general is this the first time you've seen max or did you did you watch anything else before this
2: this is actually my first time seeing an episode of max like i i know of ultraman max and i've seen him in different you know team-up films and you know he he was a guest star in an episode of ultraman x a while back so i'm i'm familiar with him but i've never seen the series i don't know like i don't think this one was like that weird or maybe maybe like the maybe ultra q like broke my brain or something but like <laughs> like i i get what they were trying to do here and it and it's very interesting and yeah it, yeah it, it reminds me of a japanese film called strange circus i don't know if either of you have uh, watched this film but i have not strange circus is it's kind of like this it plays with your perception of what's real and what's not like bas the basic i'm going to confuse myself trying to explain this but like <laughs> Basically, the movie starts out and the story is about this woman who is a writer. She's writing a story about when she was a little girl, like her dad abused her and her mother hated her and tried to kill her. And she's being interviewed by this young reporter. And and she's like kind of like mysterious and, you know, she doesn't like to talk to people. She's very reclusive. Well, then as the movie like goes on... You start to, like, go, well, wait a minute, like, things aren't adding up. What she's saying is completely different from what we've been shown. And then it, like, flips things, and your perception becomes, well, these uh, things she's writing about happened to her, but she wasn't the little girl that was abused. She was the mother who, like, abused the daughter and, like, was jealous of the daughter and all, all this other stuff. I mean, it's just it's just this really wacky movie that continuously plays with your perception of like, well, what's the real story? Like, what's reality here? Like, is it, is the book real or is the reality, the fiction? So like, I kind of, I guess that kind of prepared me for this episode. And like, like I like I said, I, I did enjoy this episode. I like, I like it when a show will like play with your perception of like what's real and what's not. And it also kind of like, Gives you, I think it's kind of like drawing the veil back, and you kind of see a little bit of like maybe what it's like to be a writer for a tokusatsu show. I mean, I know it's yeah, not like yeah. not like this at all, where it's like, oh, like I had a dream, and it's like, you know, it may, you know, like the monsters are coming real and like they're eating my dreams or whatnot. But I was like, this is kind of interesting where they're having all these meetings, and the guy's like, yeah, whatever, like just, just finish it, you know, make a monster, and Ultraman will kill it. Like, we'll, you know, you write it, we'll shoot it. I did like that aspect of it, but like I said, I don't, I don't know if like watching Strange Circus like braced me or if Ultra Q like broke my brain, but like I, 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 I did enjoy this and I'm, like, i like, I appreciate what they were doing. But then it's like, you know, if, if you want to get into it, I'm like, well, you know, how does this really like fit in, in the Ultraman Max universe? Like, you know, is it because of the Modus and it is a Deus Ex Machina thing? Or like, or are you supposed to be like, well, none of that's real. It's, we're all supposed to follow the writer, and then when you start going into that, you're like, well, okay, like it's it's kind of left up to you to to decide what's real.
0: Yeah, is this a standalone episode? Because I've only seen two episodes. I've seen the Christmas episode and this episode does creepy creature creating lady come back or is this just a one and done?
1: The, the, I, this is, as to my knowledge. I mean, I I've seen a lot of Ultraman max episodes, but again, like, like Justin mentions, like sometimes I wander and I, I haven't seen all like, you know, 39 episodes of it, but I have seen the majority of episodes. I'm pretty confident that this is a one and done, you know, one off type thing. So okay. it's not anything that, that comes back to to play into future episodes. Okay you know, this is a very meta-type episode, so, and and I think the way it was done, I mean, obviously, it's kind of well-directed and well-shot and everything. I mean, it's not... It it is defying your expectations, and that is kind of weird, and it ties into, you know, what I consider kind of blue cupcakes because, you know, you don't know what's up and what's down, basically. And most times, you, you clearly establish... The rules of, you know, whatever it is—a comic, uh, a book, a uh, television show—you know—that's usually the the groundwork you establish the rules early on, and I think this. It'll establish rules and then it'll break them and establish some more rules and then it'll break them and then establish more rules and turn them on their head and go, Wait, you <laughs> thought it was this way, but no the rules are actually this way. And so you're 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 basically taken for a pretty break, break, fourth law like a motherfucker. Yeah, you're you're basically taken for a pretty interesting and fun roller coaster ride with this, you know, as far as that goes. And and again, it doesn't I, I think that the, uh, as far as I can tell, the director has a history of, of doing things like that, you know, so I, I've not seen a lot of his other works, but given that that this is the kind of stuff that he does, and, and he seems to do it very well, like, it, it was kind of interesting to me to hear, oh, he worked on other Ultraman episodes, and he went on to make all these, like, avant-garde, like, artsy-fartsy art house films and stuff like that, and you're like, oh, hey, if the, you know, I'm like, if those are subtitled, maybe those would be fun to check out, you know, maybe it'll be like the film that, that Justin mentioned, you know, similar, you know, kind of notions yeah, no. of what what is the dream, what is reality, you know, all those kind of things, and I, I think also, like, the, the reason why this episode was so memorable and spoke to me is uh, that, You know, I I do make comments about kind of weird dreams that I have. And it's that aspect of, to me, in and of themselves, dreams are funny because they're not reality. You know, and and I think it it portrayed that pretty expertly because you're like, they're going, is this real? Like, is it quite real? Like, like, even even the regular sets of like the Dash headquarters looked a little off you know yeah. a little yeah. strange you know like everywhere you were you know the bar that that he you know is in with the the kaiju lady like everything's tilted like you're on a star trek set or something you know like yeah. and so everything seems slightly askew and it's all it's all purposely done and but it's also you know in some ways it's kind of subtle you know it's like oh this is a bit crooked so it
0: it how real is it
1: you know it kind of plays with your your thoughts and expectations.
0: Yeah, even like even like Kaito doesn't look like his normal heroic self. He doesn't look right, bad. Right. Or, yeah, yeah.
1: But I mean the lighting usually it's it's either shadowy or dark and everybody's always very sleepy and groggy and you know they're always awaking from something and then it it seems like it doesn't get into like the the main point it gets into the more heroic nature of the show and 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 more of the standard formula grabs a hold of it is when Kaito wakes up as the screenwriter and decides, all right, I'm going to write that Ultraman Max wins instead yeah, of the yeah. way the script goes. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that, that kind of makes sense. You know, it's like he's, he's the hero and he's kind of fighting to sort of save his own reality, you know, as he sees it, you know. And so that, that part of it, you know, kind of, you know, is part of maybe the more, you know, traditional trope of, of how that, that kind of story would go.
0: It it kind of reminded me of, I know both you and Justin are are, are either fans or at least very familiar with Buffy. Um, it kind of reminded me of the Buffy episode, Once More with Feeling, where they get taken over by a singing demon, and they, they, they have to sing. That's like his power. But throughout the whole episode, they continually break the fourth wall because they're like, Oh shit! I gotta sing again. You know, it's was like, I have to do this song. I'm not a very good singer. You know, it's just like
1: yeah, yeah. I I, I think they they mentioned that in a lot of the episodes of Ultraman that this the, this gentleman directed. I'm not gonna try to butcher his name or anything, but but that that there was a lot of aspects like that, whether it's breaking the fourth wall or you know, kind of these meta aspects to. The, the projects that he worked on. So I, I, I feel like that's something that he enjoys exploring and, and he probably explores it very well, you know, given Justin's response to it, you know, given, you know, my response to it, I found it very memorable and I, I'm sure, you know, Tony seems to have been, you know, interested by the, the episode as well. So like in, the, in that sense, I'm kind of glad you guys, you know, e- even though both these, you know, had to its degree, you know, some share of weirdness, I'm glad you guys both got a kick out of watching them and stuff like
0: that. I, I will mention one more thing before we uh, probably move on with the end, the end of the episode. One thing I really like about this episode, as opposed to the Ultra Q one, the Ultra Q one was not directed badly at all. It, it definitely got this point across, like Justin said. It's probably weirder than this episode in some ways, a lot of ways. <laughs> one thing I really liked about this episode is one of the things you were hitting on when I mentioned Kaido, like the the, the shadows and how this was filmed, it almost looked like a movie, and this was just a single episode of a TV show, and the cinematography was great. I don't know if it was the director and a cinematographer or just the cinematographer, but it it had a really good atmosphere. I really liked. I mean, even the Ultraman fight, it looked a little bit more dangerous. It looked a little bit more hopeless than like normal Ultraman fights. You know, with Medeus, it it really was a really pretty episode. And I, I know that sounds you know flowery stuff. But you know, even the things me and Jess were making fun of, like the butterflies, we're making fun of that because it was weird. But like you know, when you like said like that was intentional, like when I said that was intentional, you're like, yeah, it was. It's was totally meant to be that way. It's a really well shot episode. It looks really slick.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, visually, it's it's it, it has a strong impact on you, and you can tell that everything was carefully coordinated, and and things were done. For a reason and purposely, I, I think one advantage that Ultraman Max probably has over Ultra Q is is they're they're both products of their time, you know. And I yeah. I think I think in contrast to what I said about Ultra Q, that it's probably not a show that you'd want to binge watch. I think even as formulaic as Ultraman Max can be from time to time. I think they they do a good job of making people, you know, want to watch the next episode. And also it it's it's a bit more I'd say action-packed of a show. You know, I mean I mean maybe oh, yeah. that answers the question of why a character like Ultraman was introduced because it takes the formula that was semi-established in Ultra Q, like we want to see fun monsters at the end of the 10 minutes like well what would be even more fun than just seeing a monster actually having somebody who could beat the shit out of the monster you yeah. know and, and, and maybe that's why Ultraman was introduced in the first place because that's basically what ends up happening in most episodes but I, I think they took a lot of glee and and fun in in turning some of the formula on its head because by this point it's what like the I don't know the 40 something if you know series of Freaking yeah. Ultraman or whatever it is. I mean, it's 2005 versus 1967. Got to keep it fresh, you know? Larry.
0: Got to keep it fresh.
1: <laughs> you know, and 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 they they do a good job of of kind of you know. I'm sure there there are you know, having seen the show, you know there are exciting action packed episodes where you know, Max transforms, he fights a monster, he defeats it, or sometimes maybe it's a two-part thing, and we're like, we're not sure if he can beat him this time, Larry, but eventually by the second one he does, you know, or something like that. But then you've got these one-off ones, like the Christmas one, and the, you know, and this one specifically, you know, what I'm calling like the Blue Cupcakes one, where it sort of, it, it, it plays against... You know the the standard format and expectation, and and they seem to revel in it and have a lot of fun, kind of turning the 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 genre and and the standard tropes on their head. You know, and 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 making it go against formula. You know, and and I think that can be a lot of fun, especially if you're if you're into it and enjoying the formula. Then every once in a while, having something like this can kind of give you uh, maybe a, a new. Like a refreshment boost. in terms of your in terms of your maybe your your binge watching or, or or your excitement or you know kind of enthusiasm for the series in general
0: yeah yeah when guy did the soccer episode it was like it was weird but it was like oh this is fucking weird you know they're doing soccer but you were kind of like i want to see kaido play soccer so yeah kind of like that yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, like I, these are both two series I would recommend. I just, I think in terms of, of how they were produced for their time, I I might not recommend you watch all 26 episodes of (laughs) Ultra Q in a single sitting, you know, maybe just vary it up a little bit type thing. And, and as far as Ultraman Max goes, I mean, this has definitely made me want to, you know, finish watching the series that I, I kind of recommended to the guys, because I know I've seen like maybe the first, Thirty something episodes, but I, I do need to finish off the series proper.
0: Well, I'm in, I'm in, I'm into Ultraman Max two balls now. I've got two episodes uh, in so I'm I'm balls deep now. I guess I, I should finish watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right. You got any final thoughts, Justin, before we roll out of this?
2: I don't know if I have thoughts or if I am the thought. <laughs> mm,
1: yeah. are you the butterfly or are you the stick? <laughs> On that note, I don't know if we'll end or not end, but you can take this as you will. You may or may not be able to email us at fanholistpodcast at gmail.com. We may or may not be on fanhallspodcast.blogspot.com where we may or may not be able to be streamed on Stitcher Radio. And you may or may not be leaving us reviews on iTunes. But we do appreciate what you may or may not be leaving us on all kinds of social medias such as Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and all kinds of other social medias. So until the next time, this may or may not be Derek
0: WC signing off.
2: This is Justin.
0: And this is Tony. Are we doing a podcast you're listening to? Are you doing a podcast we're listening to?
2: You freaking Because it has already begun.
0: Flies on sticks?
2: Because it has already begun.
0: Because
1: it has already begun. You still there,
0: Mike? Oh, I'm
2: here. <laughs> <laughs> like we're like, doing like that, tripping or something.
0: I'm just chewing on pretzels.
2: Nice, nice.
1: Mm. Alright, the tripping
0: of balls shall continue. Yeah, Derek. I will give you credit. I, I I didn't rein it in that much. I was I was being you know as honest as I could be. But man, those are two fucking weird ass episodes.
1: <laughs> well, that was that was the point. That's that's the point of Blue Cupcakes Month. So you did your that, job. I I I have succeeded. I, I'm like yeah. I know
0: weird shit when I see it.
1: <laughs> and that sir is some weird
0: shit I'm, I'm like Justin like that, that fucking Ultra Q episode the first half you're like oh okay it's, it's kind of like you know whatever you know it's like it's okay but yeah like right in the middle of it when like you know fucking turtle starts walking through walls and shit and I'm just like I wasn't prepared for this <laughs> I need an adult <laughs> <laughs>